That was a skit from Blast, Being Light and Salt Today. The teens did an excellent job last night with their performance. And if you have not been to see this, tonight is your last and only shot to do so. So be sure to be here tonight. It really encourages the group and uh, they really want to see you there. So tonight at 7 o'clock here, we'll be taking an offering up. And once we've met the budget, of BLAST, the remaining funds are going to go toward the upcoming mission trip to Africa. So you will, uh, if you will, come prepared to give generously. Amen? Amen. Um, I had the uh, recent privilege of taking a trip to the Dominican Republic with about 30 of my uh, high school students at Lancaster Christian. And um, you know, we had a great time. The Lord did a lot of uh, things and, uh, among the group and, uh, and with the people there. And the Lord just really is so faithful to us. And I hear, I'm here this morning to give you a specific testimony of His greatness and His faithfulness. Uh, how many know that when God does something uh, or has you assigned or appointed to do something, it's not just for the people you're leading, but it's also for you? Uh, he has stuff for you he's trying to work out and he's trying to do. And so we go to the Dominican Republic. And for those of you who are close to me and know me, you know that I have a real uh, fear of spiders. And uh, I don't know if you share that sentiment or not, but uh, I certainly have a fear of spiders. I've been bitten by one. I've had surgery. And I just, uh, I don't like them. Uh, I know that God didn't create them for me, but I don't, I don't like them. And uh, uh, I, don't, I just don't care to share company with them too often. So we get to the Dominican Republic, and four hours into the trip, we hear a scream coming out of the girls' dorm. And in the girls' dorm is a spider, but it's not just any spider. It's a tarantula. <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> so I go a little bit into panic mode, but I'm the leader, right? Okay, so I'm there thinking, all right. Uh, this is interesting, okay? So now keep in mind, you know, I, I was I kind of this masked what was going on. I couldn't really see exactly how they were handling it, but I'm with teenagers. Teenagers handle problems a little differently than adults, uh, as you can imagine. And so uh, they chased this tarantula with a flip-flop, and um, they try to bang on this tarantula, and you have to understand... Tarantula, we're not talking about household spider, you know, or anything like that. We're talking about, like, rat-sized tarantula. And you're taking a flip-flop, and you're beating this thing, you know. So anyway, I, you know, I backed up from that, a little, little panicky, but okay, we got through it. And I thought, okay, we're in a foreign land. It's okay. That, what are the chances that we would see any more of that? Two hours later, inside one of the girl's bags, Tranchler's brother Pete comes out, girl screams, flip-flop comes off, smack, 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 smack. Now I'm almost in hyperventilating stage because I just don't like spiders. And this happened right prior to one of our services, and we just had some powerful services at night. And so at the end of the service, I went to a corner, and I'm just going to be transparent with you today. I'm going to be really transparent with you if you, if you will allow me. But I was, I was crying. And um, 
And I was having a moment with the Lord, and a lot of people thankfully thought it was because of the awesome message that was preached earlier. It had nothing to do with that. I was terrified of these spiders, and I was pleading the blood of Jesus over my life. Because I know what Scripture says, that He will give you the desires of your heart. He means that thing, and my desire is not to have to encounter any of these eight-legged creatures that He has so wonderfully and marvelously created. So... A day goes by and everything is fine and we're breathing and honestly I had forgotten about it. I was trusting but I had forgotten about it and uh, another day passes and one of my students, they're laying in a hammock outside taking a nap and as they're laying there, they feel something drop from the ceiling right onto their chest. Oh yeah, Tarantula's cousin. Oh yeah, Juliana's there and she's all up in his face. He threw himself out of the hammock, took off all of his clothes, ran in the pool, and jumped in. Now, of course, I'm dealing with teenagers here, okay? And let me tell you something. Adults never tell a teenager what you're scared of. Because these little teens like to take these little dead tarantulas and put them in Pringle cans just because they know I'm scared and, you know, shake it. Thankfully, the Lord put me in the position I am because I looked at every one of them in the eye and said, you show me that thing, you're out of the school next week. A day goes by, I'll just give you a little perspective. We have the girls' dorm over here, two tarantulas. The pool and the hammock area is right here, and then we have the boys' dorm. Okay, that's where we're at. I'm laying in my bed, and all of these guys start running outside like, oh, some cool's out here, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uncle John right there, crawling right outside the door of my room. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I had my cell phone flashlight on. I was looking. I took a layer of off. The whole can was around my bed. Just all right, like an off is going to help a tarantula situation, you know, and it's just all right here. Somebody even recommended that I get my shaving cream out and smear it on the floor so I could see the little uh, footprints as he comes in. But I am here to tell you and testify of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ as Lord in my life because I did not see, nay, one spider when I was in the Dominican Republic. Jesus, God, he is faithful. Amen? Amen. So I am here to witness to you that what he says is true. Would you all stand? We're going to talk a little bit about witnesses for Jesus Christ today. Let's read this together. If I testify about myself... My testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony is true. Is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Now that I accept, but I mention it that you might be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. 
yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe, since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek glory that comes from God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you did not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? And one more from Revelation. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Father, I thank you for your word. It brings life. And I ask that it would do so today in Jesus' name. Amen. You are a part of the greatest story ever told. You are a part of the greatest story ever ever told. There's a story that began in the beginning of creation when the words, let there be light, were spoken. And the story started there and it continues even now thousands and thousands of years later and you are a part of that story and you're a significant part of that story. We often refer to our sliver of the story as our testimony. And a testimony is a story. And, and when Jesus is a part of that story and that testimony, it has power. And that power can change lives. Amen? But in our scripture here, we see Jesus. And he is standing and being accused of doing essentially two things. You see... Right prior to this dialogue that Jesus is having with uh, the Jewish leaders, he healed a man at the pool of Bethesda. And in doing that, he broke a law. He broke a law. Because he asked a man that was healed, he said, Be healed, stand up, and take your mat and walk. And doing what any sensible man who is lame for over 30 years would do, when Jesus said, get up and walk, he got up and walked. And so he broke this rule. And as Jesus addresses the Jewish leaders when they come to confront him, he makes the case or the argument, he says, I am, I'm paraphrasing, he says, basically, I am the son of God. I am equal to God and you don't even know it. You have been told about my coming, but you don't even understand who I am right before you. Because if you did, it wouldn't even matter that that man got up today and carried his mat on the Sabbath. And so, these accusers of Jesus, accused Jesus of breaking the law, but not only that, claiming that he would be the very son of God, claiming, claiming equality with him. 
So it was customary during this time that when somebody was put on trial, it wasn't that you took the accuser and you interrogated the accuser. You did this wrong, and let me ask you a bunch of questions to prove your guilt or your innocence. Instead, at this time period, when somebody was accused of doing something wrong, it was the evaluation of the witnesses that yielded the verdict. It was the witnesses and their testimony of the person that yielded what the judgment call was going to be. And so in Deuteronomy, it's written, on the testimony of two or three witnesses, a person is to be put to death, but no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. So, must have been pretty serious crimes because these people wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to slaughter him. You told a guy to get up and walk on the Sabbath, claiming to be son of God. You're out of here. Why? Why would these Jewish leaders be so, so involved and invested in wanting to kill Jesus at this moment? Because these were the leaders of that society and that population. And they held high rank and high position. And their position was being threatened by what this man was doing. Their positions were being threatened. What they had to say was being threatened. The authority in which they walked, it was all being threatened. Sometimes when our positions in life are being threatened, we'll do things that are out of the ordinary to protect them. And so these accusers point at Jesus and Jesus begins to state his case. And essentially, Jesus brings four witnesses among the, among the accusers. The first person he points out is John. Because John was a witness to who Jesus was, and he was well-respected among many of the leaders there. And it says, there was a man sent from John. This is from John 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from, John who's, uh, from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. And this was John's testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So that's John's testimony of Jesus Christ. So John wasn't the light. John wasn't light, but he was a lamp. And I love what Jesus did here because Jesus is on trial among his accusers. And what we have to understand is that Jesus was absolutely confident about who he was. He was not standing there defending himself as if he had to receive the approval of the men standing before him, yet he had a mission in that moment. Just like anywhere else in Scripture where we see Jesus, his mission was to point people to the Father and offer them a way to the Father. So his mission was for these leaders to be saved. So when he's bringing these witnesses, these witnesses are being presented so that Jesus can get to the heart of the matter. And so he presents John. And I, what I love about it, what I love about what Jesus does here, because he had a choice. He could have not said anything about John, 
or he could have belabored the point about John. But he brings up John because guess what? Jesus meets us where we are. I don't know about you, but I did not thankfully have to get cleaned up and perfect when I met Jesus Christ. He met me where I was broken. And he met you where you were broken. And so Jesus, knowing that he's talking to these people who need authentic, personal references, he points out John and he quickly diverts the attention from John. He says, John can testify on my behalf. However, however, he says, I don't accept human testimony. You have sent to John and he has testified to the truth, but I do not accept human testimony. But I mention it, why? So that you might be saved. John was the lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. Jesus says, John proclaimed that I am the way, the truth, and life. John proclaimed that I am coming and stepping into your world to fulfill everything that the scripture has said. But now that I'm standing here right before you, you don't see it. Now that I've been made flesh and bone, you don't see that I'm right standing here before you. So he says, I have a testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I'm doing testify that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. The second and the third witnesses that Jesus presents here, if you'll go with me, are his works and his words. We have John the Baptist, Jesus' works, and Jesus' words, because prior to this, he had, he's healed the lame man. He's done miracles before the people. He's teaching the people. And everything that he has done up to this point has not only pointed to the Father, but it is in tandem and in line with the characteristics of God the Father. Because God's not going to contradict himself. Anything he tells us to do is not going to go against his word. Jesus was made flesh, but in the beginning of John, did we not learn that he say, I am the word made flesh. And so... The second and third witnesses that he calls to the, to the table are these works and these, these words. He says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. Everything Jesus did was in keeping with the character of his father. And because his words and his works came from his father, his father is a valid witness to who he was. But Jesus takes it a step further in this passage and he turns the table on the leaders. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe in the one he sent. You study scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Do you realize how bold of a statement that is to these leaders? Their entire reputation in life, their entire reputation in life is being called to question because everything about them is about knowing the scriptures and knowing the law. And Jesus says, you don't even know the scriptures. You don't even know what you've spent your life studying because I am right here before you. 
And if you knew these scriptures, you would know that when Moses wrote these things, he was talking about me, and here I am before you, and you can't even see it. The scriptures are a witness for who I am. They testify about me. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from God? Jesus gets right to the point here. I do not accept glory from human beings. That doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't accept our praise and our worship. What he's saying here is, I am not at the same level as your human man-made kings and presidents and leaders and authority. So don't give me that false flattery, that lip, that tongue-in-cheek about how great I am in terms of human standard. I am above all that. I am far above all of the rulers and the principalities of this world. So I can't, I'm not going to accept the glory that comes from false flattery. You are so consumed with the elevation and the affirmation of men that you, that you do not seek the approval of God. You are so consumed with the elevation and the affirmation of men that you do not seek the approval of God. But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? He says, look, you hold man and man's rules in such high regard that you have totally missed the main point. If you even believed what Moses said, you would know that I, what I'm telling you is the absolute truth. But you don't even believe that, so you won't be able to believe a word that I say. And so Jesus presents the witnesses before the leaders. And that's the context of our scripture today. I didn't want to I did not want to speak on this passage of Scripture today. When Pastor sent it to me, I was hoping that when we arranged some of the Sundays that I would get something cool like Jesus walking on water or, you know, I don't know, anything but this. And um, <laughs> But just like I stated earlier, when God commissions you to do something, God doesn't need us to do anything. He doesn't need me to be up here. He doesn't really need Pastor Ronnie to be up here. He doesn't need us to do anything. And the reason he puts us in positions and gives us opportunities to do things is because he's working stuff in us. And um, this is exactly what God had for me in this season and this time. And so I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, I am the headmaster at Lancaster Christian, and several years ago, long time ago, we uh, used to take annual trips to a place called Chaffin's Barn. And uh, we would, at Christmas time, it would be the big trip that we would have parents come and be a part of. And uh, it was really important, it was really important because all the parents were coming, that all the ducks were in the row. And it was really important to me as a leader that the perception of the parents 
in terms of how they perceived me and my leadership, it was on point. And so the, I spent a lot of time, the office staff spent a lot of time the day before working on all the details. And the parents show up the morning of, and I walk in, and I'm all smiles, and I'm shaking hands, and I'm just making sure everybody's happy, and they're all sitting there, and the buses are running a little bit late. And as we're waiting there for the buses, and I'm kind of smoozing the parents, if you will, I'm being very transparent here, okay? Just follow me. Little Johnny and Emma and Susie and all these kindergartners just start flying down the hallway to the restroom. And it's not something really that we typically do in the school, let the kids just run rampant down the hallway. They walk in lines and orderly. But just on this particular day, they happen to be running. And of course, I go over there and I straighten them up in front of the parents. And after I get past the parents, get them on right now. Okay. And, you know, I just go, oh, yeah, good, good, good. What? What's going on? And so, you know, I'm trying to really put on this show for the parents because I really want to have their affirmation and their approval. So the buses arrive, and they arrive a little bit late, so we're already running behind, and uh, one of the office personnel come to me, and they say, we don't have enough lunches. We don't have enough lunches. And I just smile and say, okay, well, I guess we got to take care of that, don't we? Okay, that's good. All right. Everybody's getting on the bus. The kids are loaded up. And so I tell the person in the office, I say, have the directions pulled up for me so that whenever I get in my car from the place where the lunches are, I can, get, I can meet the, the buses. And so I, uh, after making sure that everyone was happy and taken care of and on the bus and have no idea what's going on, I send the buses away, I jump in my car, and I take off to the place where the lunches are being made. And I walk in there, and I am just as fast as you can putting together sandwiches. I don't think all of them had meat or cheese. I, just, I was stuffing stuff as quickly as I could into bags so I could make sure everybody had something to eat. So I throw that stuff in my car, I jump in my car, I start going, I call the office and I say, I need that dire- those directions, and they start giving me the directions. And so I get on the interstate, and I didn't go 70, or 80, or 90, um, <laughs> I went a little fast, and, um, and I'm driving because I want to catch up with these buses, because I don't want the parents to get off the bus and not see me there. So I'm driving very fast in the HOV lane on Interstate 24, and we're going. And I am on the phone getting directions, and I don't remember the exact exit number, but the, the office person said, exit, like, exit 68. And I said, okay, well, as she's giving me the instructions, I'm seeing down in the way I see buses. Now, you know on, like, interstates, buses end up going, what, 55, 60 or something like that? So they're going slow, and I am going real fast, so I'm catching up with them. So I'm thinking, praise the Lord, I have caught up with the buses, I have the lunches, I have all the paperwork. This is going to be great. This is a breeze. We're all, we're fine. So I pull in between the buses, I slow way down, and I just, I just cruise from there. Well, we end up getting off like exit 67, and I remember hearing like something like exit 68. And you know how buses have like the secret route? You know, they know like where to go to get in quick or something. So I'm not really thinking too much about the exit that we're getting off, but I just know it's not the, the one that I was told. They pull into the Nashville Children's Theater as opposed to Chaffin's Barn. We're not supposed to be at the Nashville Children's Theater, and we're already running late. So I'm in between the buses, and at the time there's construction going on at the Nashville Children's Theater, and so I turn in with the buses, and I'm not supposed to be in that lane. And there is a nice policeman blowing his whistle as loud as he can to let me know I'm not supposed to be there, but I continued on. I was plowing forward because I was not going to allow these parents to get off this bus and have a you know, negative perception. 
So I jump out of my car and I let the policeman chase me and I'm running away from him. <laughs> and I get on the bus. And when I get on the bus, the kids are all standing up, the teacher's standing up, ready to get off. I literally, physically start throwing kids down in the chairs. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. It wasn't until the loud squeal of this curly, blonde-headed teacher that I realized that this was not my bus. <laughs> you may have seen this story on News 2, 4, or 5 later on that afternoon. I don't know if you remember that. So... So I'm throwing these kids down, this lady's squealing, and so I realize, and I don't have time to apologize, I've got to get to my bus, so I get off the bus, and the policeman is coming at me this way, and I look down here and I see another bus, and I'm like, there's our bus, because it looks like the bus driver, so I take off running again, away from the police officer. I get on the bus, and this time, I start really throwing the kids down, because we've got to go, we're at the wrong place, sit down, sit down, sit down. It's not our bus. Second time. So I get off this bus, they, they've now called in the reinforcements, you know, and so I jump into my car, I pull out, and I'm going to take off. As I start to take off, I realize in my rear mirror there's a parent that was running behind and is now following me on this trip. Regardless of that fact, I go down one-way streets the wrong way, up the sidewalk around cars, cars are honking at me, she's following me, I have no idea what she's thinking. I get to that red light at the Titan Stadium where there's a red light left turn and then there's the two green lights and the turn is kind of like this. You know, you have to get on there, say it that way. Well, I kind of, I don't know, I saw green, it was red. And I just, and I go, I did a 360, no kidding, did a 360, got onto the interstate, onto the on-wrap. She stopped, I heard later she called the school to complain on me. So then I go and I finally get to Chaffin's Barn. So when I arrive at Chaffin's Barn, I have all these lunches sitting in my, uh, my car, and I see that the tail end of our line from our, I guess, second, third grade class is sticking out the door. So I'm thinking, okay, at least I've arrived here before they're all seated, and then I can go in and really make sure everybody's happy and all that. And so I start grabbing the lunches. I run up to the, to the, to the room that all the kids are in, and it is like mass chaos. I mean, like mask. People are running, screaming. I don't even know what is going on. I can't, I'm handing out lunches to Bob. So I don't know who I'm handing lunches to. I'm just handing, because everybody's grabbing. And every time I see a parent, I stop and smile as I'm handing the, the lunches out. I'm handing lunches to other schools' kids. I'm handing it to other parents. I'm just handing lunches out. And as all this chaos is going on, a man goes to the center of the stage, quite upset, and screams, I want to see the leader of Lancaster Christian Academy right now dead silence. And I turn around and I raise my hand. <coughs> you, sir, come with me. I take off. They didn't have our reservation. So they have double booked Chaffin's Barn. What happened is they had fired the lady, I guess, or she had quit the day after our reservation was made. And so there was no record of our reservation. So here we are. So I get to go down to a basement, start hauling out chairs. Parents are sitting on the stairwells. You know, as you, uh, it was just a horrible, people didn't eat horrible experience. And uh, I sit down to tell some of the story of what's going on. Um, the little elf comes up to me and gives me a glass of Sprite. And I'm telling all, the, all of the uh, story to the teachers. And they're dying laughing about the bus thing. I turn over. There's a student named Gracie there that was there at the time. And anytime she saw Mr. O'Day, she liked to run and jump in my arms, you know, and say hello. And I looked at Gracie and I saw her eyes well up and she ran to me and she knocked over my Sprite and the Sprite got all over the paperwork, all of the things, all over my pants. The lights went down the show began. 
So I got up embarrassed and I went ahead and said, you know, I'm done with this. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> I can't do much worse. And so I went home because I didn't want to face the perception of what people had about me in this field trip when I got back. Now, all this could have been avoided had I stepped outside of myself and had I been transparent with the parents right there saying, our buses are a little bit late. We don't have all of the lunches. If you guys will just bear with us, we're going to do the best we can on getting this done. For some reason, I was fearful about what the perception is of what they were going to say about me, that it sent me into a whole world of chaos. So that brings me to here. God, I don't want to do this message. I don't understand why you have me doing this. I don't know what it is. And he, and he literally looked at, <laughs> he literally spoke to me and said, Kevin, the Jewish leaders the reason that they didn't see Jesus is because they were missing the main point. And he said, Kevin, you're missing the main point. I'm like, well, what do you mean, Jesus? I'm pro, I'm pro Jesus. I, I testify. I'm speaking in youth on Wednesdays. I'm at the school. I'm, I, I'm your witness, God. I don't understand. How am I missing it? I don't, I don't get it. And he said, Kevin, you're missing the main point. I just celebrated an anniversary this past week, and um, and I have, in the last three or four weeks, um, you just have to bear with me because this is kind of hard. Um, in the last three or four weeks, I've let a ton of people down. Some of you in this room, and. Um, and it's all in getting prepared for this message and where God's taking me and where he's growing me and teaching me about him. And I've let a lot of people down. And I believe that the Lord has allowed that to happen because he's doing a work in me. And he wants me to realize that he is the main point. And so on my anniversary, I had opportunities to do a million things that day. And I just have to be real transparent with you. That's the first time that I saw my wife. I saw my wife in a very long time. And in the midst of all that, I, had, I let people down that day by not going. I mean, even uh, I think Pastor even texted me, asked me if I could go to lunch. And the work that the Lord's doing in me is trying to find the main thing and making the main thing the main thing. And so the work that he's been doing in me or he's doing in me is that I cannot be perfect. I cannot order my life based on the approval of man. I cannot order my life based on the affirmation of the people around me. I have to base my life on the main thing, my source, which is Jesus Christ. I'm never going to reach or attain a level of perfection that is going to so please man that I'm going to be able to stand firm on that foundation. It's going to always be broken. And so I have worked so hard and tirelessly missing so many things in my life, so many important God moments. I don't, I don't want to wait till my daughter's 13 to realize I don't have a relationship with her. 
I don't want to look at my wife on occasion and say, oh, we're in relationship. Do you know that God uses the picture of marriage as a description of our relationship with him? And what made that day so beautiful this past week with my wife is that there was no expectation. She just wanted to be with me. She just wanted to be with me. It didn't matter how bad I'd been or how wrong I was or anything. She just wanted to hang out and spend time. And that's what Jesus wants from us. And so... These Jewish leaders accepting the praises of men, standing on a foundation that says, I've got to continue to maintain the status quo because if I begin to break down, then I don't know what the people around me are going to say. I want to be the very best youth pastor that these kids have ever seen. I want to be the very best Headmaster, I want to be the very best husband, father. I've got a lot in my life going on right now. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with doing things with excellence. But if striving for excellence supersedes you seeing Jesus Christ, it's all for naught. And so we keep our focus on the main thing, the main point. Because I want to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Do you know that Jesus is still on trial today? He's already got the victory, but today he has sent us out as his witnesses to point people to the way, the truth, and the life. I can't do that if I'm more concerned about what you think about me than me spreading the gospel because I've spent time with him. People are not going to see the Jesus in me because I'm wearing myself thin by trying to gain approval. They're going to see the Jesus in me by the relational value that I have whenever I've spent time with him and I'm fool enough to pour out to you. And the same is true for you. And I don't know, I said this first service, and it could be just for me today, guys. It could be this whole thing the Lord's setting up and saying, Kevin O'Day, I did this for you. But this is, a, this is huge in my life. This is a revelation because I want my life. And when I look back on my life, even now, even, even in the mistakes I've made, even in trying to gain approval, I know what my heart's desire is. My heart's desire is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. That is evident, I believe, in the things I put my hand to. But he has got to be involved. I've got to be in relationship with him and he's got to supersede everything else people say. And as I walk in that and I'm secure in that and I'm confident in that, then I'll be able to do things that I can't even imagine him doing through me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you with me? And so I want to be a witness. I want to testify about Jesus Christ. But I want to be able to tell you because of what he's done in my life and how much time I've spent with him and what he's saying to me today. I want to be able to hear his voice clearly. And so I'm not perfect. <laughs> not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not perfect in this, but God is chipping this away at me. And I want him to do this because I want to be more and more like him. I want when, my, when Hadassah's 15, I want her to look at me and say, my daddy, point me to Jesus. Can't do that if I'm not spending any time with her. Can't do that if I'm not, if I'm not rela building relationship with her. If it's more important that A, B, and C are done, but this over here is thrown to the wayside. The leaders here, they knew the scripture. They knew the scripture. They saw the works and the words. They saw John the Baptist. They didn't know Jesus. 
Lord, let it not be that way with us. Worship team, would you come? I'm sorry if I've let you down in the last three weeks. Would you stand with me? It's important for you to know that the weight and the expectation, the weight and the burden and the expectation of having approval of men wasn't placed on by anybody. I placed it on myself. And so that's what we do. And for this generation that I'm a part of, there is a burden, or there's a, there seems to be this expectation of perfection. You're not going to make it. You're not going to be perfect. So let us bring our broken vessels to Jesus Christ. Because when we try to piece things together, I look horrible. But when we come like we are as a broken vessel and we say, Jesus, will you put me together? He creates something beautiful. And in that beauty, we will be able to testify about who he is and what he's done. With those who are going to pray, please come forward. I believe today in this place, there is a strong anointing for those who need prayer in the area of hey, I'm doing all this, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. And I understand being in your shoes because if somebody was up here saying what I'm saying, I don't know, because if you're seeking approval of men to step out of that and to be able to say, okay, this is something that I'm, I'm struggling with, that's a hard thing to confess and to be transparent. But if you're in a place today that says, you know, I'm more concerned with the people around me and what they're thinking. I'm working, I'm striving, but I need to experience you, Jesus. I need to see you, Jesus. I need to relate with you, Jesus. I need to spend time with you, Jesus. Then you come this morning and let him set you free because I feel more like a free man today than I ever have in my life because I'm giving it to him. Let's worship together. Bye.
Kevin since he was in his mid-teens and uh, I have the highest regard for him but God touched a, has touched a place in his life that needs to be touched we've all got them we've all got those places but I, I really think especially in our culture and especially for the young people just you don't have to be perfect you're not going to be perfect everything is for an audience of one everything is for an audience of one raise your hand let me give you a blessing may the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world to set us free 
sent his son into the world to give us life and that more abundantly. May you walk in that freedom. May you walk in the freedom of those who know you are loved by your Father. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.